right, welcome everybody. I'm back. Welcome to the City Brew Tours Beer Club. I'm Jonathan, and I've got Glenn with me again. I know it doesn't help to point for the podcast, but for the live stream, I always like to point to the right direction. It's uh, funny because on mine, it looks like you're pointing in the opposite direction. Oh, am I? Is it that? Is that <laughs> yeah. right? On my on my screen, but I don't know what uh, it's going to look like. Maybe know. what's on your screen is what's going to show up on YouTube. And Who YouTube knows? people are laughing at us because they know the answer to this question, and they do they know more than we do. I know. Uh, well, we got it either way. It's perfectly fine. Yes. Either way. Over there. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, it doesn't matter. We are pointing at each other. So, And we're pointing at you because we've got a great city. We've got some great beer. And, you know, this is one that I feel is a long time coming. That we've been doing City Brew Tours Beer Club. We've been doing, uh, you know, the Brews Last Traveled. And we, this is the first time we've ever done this city, and that is Portland, Maine. And you can't have a beer box or a beer subscription service without having beer from Portland, Maine. Uh, what have you? I mean, I've had beer from Portland, Maine, not just these ones. How many, how many beers have you had from Portland, Maine, Glenn? Well, you know, I can't tell you how many beers that I've had from Portland, Maine. I've definitely had a number of beers from Maine. I'm not sure which ones of them are from Portland. Uh, of the three breweries you have tonight, I only have, you know, uh, I, I, I ha don't, my definitive foundation for all of this, I don't know how to work Austin Street into a sentence, but I thought <laughs> I'd put the other, but my definitive foundation is untapped. Uh, those of us, those of you who've seen me on here before, and if you've listened to my podcast, our podcast, The Beer Avengers, you know that I have over 1500 unique pours, uh, listed on untapped. Um, and of the three breweries, I found one uh that i had on my birthday uh oh. about uh just a little less than eight years ago well there you go nice and, uh, and, but uh and i will i will save that until that brewer is here and we can i can maybe include that so spoiler alert it's a foundation beer oh well there you go <laughs> um, but i'm looking really looking forward since i've never had Austin street uh as well as definitive to really to to get into all of this and, tr and try all of these the ones we're having here and the ones uh in my refrigerator uh I know. Yeah. And it's and it's always a hard thing with like, you know, we're only drinking two beers on the live stream. And so it's like there's but there's six more beers. Like I know that people listening, people that are joining us tonight, they've already tapped into these. But it's been a couple of weeks since they've gotten the box. And so let us know which ones that you've had and which ones that you are liking. But I mean. Yeah, Portland, Maine is known for beer. Even have you been to Portland, Maine, Jonathan? Uh, I've been through Portland. I've been okay. to the airport at Portland, Maine. Okay. Uh, I was going down to New Hampshire and I got rerouted and ended up at the Portland, Maine airport, and then had to drive down. Uh, I think it's the only New England state I haven't been to. Oh, well, it's a good one. Uh, the, and I, it's, it's been on my list for places to go. It's like, oh, I got to go there sometime, but somehow I haven't. Uh, yeah, I mostly associate them with Lobster, Stephen King, and uh, monologuist Mike Daisy. I mean, that is all very accurate. So I yeah. feel like that's that's all in place. Uh, you might think that word is pronounced monologist, but Mike Daisy always says monologuist. So I feel like I have to say that. Yeah, in honor. Since he's the one I'm talking about, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll pronounce it that way. I feel, I feel like monologuist is right. Um, but I mean, they are known for their beer having oh, yeah. the most breweries per capita. Uh, I was doing tours and doing events. I will always say the most breweries per capita in the United States. 
but I'm pretty sure it might be even the world. Yeah, wow. I know there's some debate on that, but uh, and I think our guests today they're gonna they're gonna be able to help correct this. I'm sure they'll agree as well. All right. Um, but you know, there's not not just beer, not just lobster. There's all kinds of fun things that you know when people say Portland. When you hear Portland, do you think East Coast or West Coast? I mean, generally thinking, I I I I think uh, West Coast, uh, just because I think it's a bigger city. Okay, uh, but I know that for sure. Uh, I think Portland, Oregon, is bigger than Portland, Maine. I I believe it is. Yeah. Um, but Portland, Maine was first, and actually, oh, yeah? they got the name for Portland, Oregon. Because um, the gentleman, there's two guys that were founding it. And they're like, hey, one of them was from Portland, Maine. And he's like, we yeah. should call it Portland. The other one was from Boston. It was like, no, we should call it Boston. And so they did a coin toss and two out of three won. And now it's Portland, Oregon. Okay. There you go. There you go. And I think with... I learned so much from this pod, from this podcast. You know, I, I, I like... I like random it's things. educational oh. and delicious. And speaking of delicious, let's pop open that first one. Oh, let's so do that. We're going to pop open that patina pale ale from Austin Street. Uh, going to be just nice 5.3. Ooh, nice little crack there. Nice, hazy. All right. Ooh, that's like a super creamy head on there. I actually did a pretty decent pour tonight. I think I did too. After doing the uh, Christmas for tw 12 nights straight and pouring, I think we finally got good practice in it. That's nice. Orange color, hazy. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, very hazy. Oh, All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. And you know what? Before we could talk about this, I mean, that's delicious though. It is. You know what? We're going to bring Will Fisher on. We're going to bring Will on. Let's talk about Austin Street. We're going to talk about this beer. Welcome, Will. How's it going? Not Pretty good. How you doing, Will? I'm good. Good. The patina here, too. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Yeah. Patina. The word patina is a word I use on almost uh, every day of my existence. So, Really? I would say it's not in most people's vernacular, daily vernacular. So, cheers. Well, <laughs> well, well we're in New York City, uh, and I work uh, at the Statue of Liberty. And and that green ah. external coating on the statue is is called a patina. Uh, that yes. that's the, that's the form that cop what copper forms on the external when you leave it outside. And so I, when I say every day of my existence, I mean every day I work, but close enough. That's <laughs> actually the that's actually the what I use in as example when I'm giving tours or talking about this beer when people are asking what patina is. Yeah, I use the Statue of Liberty. We we thought of it. We're Jake, uh, my business partner, and I are into. Uh, old cars and old motorcycles that are like rusted and worn and have some natural patina. So that's kind of where the name comes from. But uh, but yeah, the Statue of Liberty is like great, and it's, it's a it's a great American symbol. So you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I spent a lot. <laughs> I spent a lot of time comparing the difference between rust and patina. Like, well, they're both forms of oxidation, sure. but patina right. is better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. Does, does patina have anything to do with this beer besides the name? Like, there's no yeah, it's not especially green or rust. <laughs> Hopefully you're not putting. I know it's kind of beer. a it's a bit of an oxymoron because the beer is a fresh, hoppy, clean, hoppy pale ale. So it it kind of doesn't have anything to do with uh, the beer, except we thought it was a cool beer name and it had some uh, heritage for us and our hobbies. But uh, yeah, nothing to do with the actual beer. It's quite the opposite. So 
Nice. And um, so with Austin Street, how long have you guys been around? And I know you got this great brewery, um, great beer. And I know like this one is just delicious. And I know other Thank people you. are loving the the stout as well. Um, kind of. So what was your journey? Were you guys home brewers or were you just like, you know, what? I just, I'm going to start a brewery and then just go with it? Or kind of what was your guys' journey to not only do a craft brewery but also in portland maine yep uh, all good questions i think our stories is i wouldn't say typical of breweries nowadays but one you hear quite often which is uh self uh you know self-starting home brewers turn turn brewery owners um we started actually our 10-year anniversary is in april of 2024 so coming right up and we opened right around the time uh foundation did so we'll be talking to them tonight and uh, almost a very, very similar, just they're a little bit uh, older than we are. Um, and yeah, my, my business partner, Jake and I started, he was really the lead home brewer and I would kind of go hang out and we would uh, home brew on a, a homemade system in his garage on Austin street, which is where the name uh, of the brewery comes from. Uh, his last name is also Austin, but that's just a coincidence. It is not, he just happened to live on a street named after him. And yeah, we started off and uh, yeah, do, you know, brewing homebrew and and uh, having little get-togethers. Uh, we actually, people know Bissell Brothers from uh, Portland as well. We're, we're close with those guys. And they were in the same, like, homebrew club that we were. So we used to have these, like, little homebrew parties where we were pouring patina on draft. And then uh, Pete and Noah would bring over, uh, like, soda kegs with substance in them. And we would kind of enjoy those together. So, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. And uh, we just started, yeah, sh sharing our beers with other people. And and uh, trying to get some good feedback from folks. So when you share homebrew with your friends um, or if you share homebrew with, uh, you know, your, your parents are like, oh, you're doing such a great job. And like, you're not really getting the feedback you need. So going to breweries that are already open, like Oxbow Brewing uh, here in Maine and um, bars like Novari Res and talking to people like Shaheen and saying, uh, hey, what do you think about this beer and taking that feedback? And long story short, we we got started and uh, started with our own money and got things rolling. And and uh, here we are today. So, yeah, because you guys are obviously 2014, 2013 was really when brewing or breweries started to really pick up in the Portland, Maine, Northeast area. Um, but you guys are officially like one of the first breweries at that time to be fully self-funded, correct? Yeah, well, I'm not sure of other people's uh, entries into the business and and I don't necessarily tout it per se, but we just what we did was we set aside $30,000 and we ended up spending a lot more than that. So <laughs> I, I, I remain, so it's not really something to brag about, but um, uh, always write a business plan, no matter, yeah. even if you have your own money to start, always write a business plan. Um, but uh yeah, we. What's cool about Austria is that we've we've retained ownership. So John, or um, excuse me, Jake and I still own the business fifty fifty, which is really cool. cool. Um, and that means that we, you know, we don't always have like mentors and things like that to always lean on. Um, maybe we're a little bit slow on fundraising and getting out loans versus like using people that are uh, able to like put us a line of credit and stuff like that. So, but I think the slow growth is good for us, and um, it it um, leaves us time to make decisions and do the right thing and, and try to be intentional with, with the beer and what we're doing. And that really allows you to be really part of the community grassroots. You're truly a grassroots brewery at that point. Anyone can, you know, get some investor, you know, and stuff and come in and then, but really starting from that ground up, that's, 
you know, especially with how many breweries are in Portland, especially now, um, really allows that community and that kind of that partnership, which I, I think is unique for a lot of breweries nowadays. Yeah. What, yeah, what is the, the current, the current number? Because I, my numbers go back to, uh, 2020 and at that point, uh, the number of breweries in the whole state of Maine was 136, but I don't know if it, uh, that seems right I, or not. John probably knows better than I do, but I think we're like 165, maybe now, maybe pushing 170. Um, and then Portland, that's for the state. And yeah, as far as I know, like you said earlier, I think we're the highest per capita in the country as a state. Um, and I think push, you push past Vermont. Is, yeah. And I think Portland may be as well um, based on city size, but uh, I don't really know about Portland. I, I would guess there's probably 25 maybe okay. in Portland, but for maybe more, I'm trying to be conservative, but there's, you know, it's a hundred thousand people. So there's a lot of beer to drink. <laughs> A lot of yeah. tourism too. We have a lot of people coming yeah. in from out of state, which is great. So yeah, because that's like here in uh, New York, like in the five boroughs, we have like forty-five, but we're also nine million people. So yes, yeah. we're never, we're never, we're never going to win the per capita race. We're never, yeah. So no. it's like, yeah, we have more. Good luck. Never, yeah, yeah. And you have our, a small number of people and a lot of room for breweries. You know, it just yeah. you're going to get you're going to work that better. Yes. Yeah, it's tight down there. We have we don't we have some friends at in New York breweries, and um, it's looking at the, like on uh, packaging days and stuff like that. It's pretty wild. We have like the canning lines like halfway out the street, and yeah. police are writing them tickets and stuff. It's uh, it's quite a ride. So yeah, it's very 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 different. Um, <laughs> what what was it like starting like back in twenty fourteen? Because you know I know a lot of breweries started you know oh eight or so up in kind of in the Vermont area. But with the hazies, especially hitting the market, um, did you guys go straight into that as well? Or did you guys try to just like keep a diverse kind of palette of of beers or tap list? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, we, we, we kind of I think there's a wave. There's like a there's definitely a, a class, we'll call it, of brewers from that era or those couple years foundation is one of them uh Bissell, we all actually started in the same building within a few months of each other unplanned we just sort of there's available leases and we moved in but that same building also is uh what's where rising tide brewing started in that building uh main beer company started in that same building um and so there was a lot of um history there and one of the first breweries that jake and i really kind of got us interested in the style of beer, which is essentially unfiltered, uh, heavily dry hops, and consequently very hazy beer, was Maine Beer Company. We actually went to visit them. Jake did some photos for them very early on. And we met the brothers and we drank, it was called Spring Peeper Ale, and now it's called Peeper. And most people know that brewery from dinner, their double IPA. Um, and I'm we a big drank fan this of beer. Lunch. Which, yeah, and lunch is awesome too. Lunch is huge. And we drank this beer, you know, we're, we're used to buying like, you know, Sierra Nevada pale ale and a lot of like sea hops and um, like pine and, and um, earthiness and a little bit of crystal malt, right. And the color and the bitterness of the beer. And we have spring peeper, which is, I think basically all two row and West coast hops, but some more modern varieties. Uh, and we're like, wow, this beer is like super light in color. It's hazy. And they're not, they don't seem to be worried about that. And it's just like nice punchy hop aroma and like super crushable. And it's a great ABV. And um, 
it just was such a cool beer and we're like we should start playing around with this kind of style and that's really where patina was born so to answer your question we patina is our flagship from day one it's about uh, almost 60 percent of our production it's a huge beer for us um and we love it it's just a great beer and we're we're grateful for it and um we start off with basically patina and six grand the two beers you guys have and, and there's they still hold strong they still hold up it's the same recipe uh, they haven't been thinned out. Um, just we've changed yeast over the years, uh, different house yeast and things like that uh, to, to kind of switch the beer up. But, but yeah, we're just we're just cranking it out. And our lager program has grown over the years. Um, we also have a wild program, which has actually slowed down a bit. So lagers picked up. The wild program slowed down slightly, but we still have a couple of Brett beers that we do regularly. Um, so we, we like a little bit of everything. It's kind of that annoying thing where you're like, ask someone what kind of music they like. They're like, I listen to everything. It's, I hate to like use that as an answer here, but it's like, it's pretty accurate. I would say. So. Well, I imagine right. if, if the two of you, it's, it's still your business you're doing it, but you, I, I'm assuming you brought in, you, you probably have a team of people and some people are better at different uh, styles than others. Yeah. We, we've grown, we're actually not as big as people think we are. So we, we have typically I'd say around here, we have two locations uh, in Portland well, we're at 16 employees, so we're not a huge operation. And that's, that includes both tasting rooms. Um, that includes uh, our management team, leadership team, uh, production people. Um, we have a well, we have a really experienced, capable group of people um, that uh, work together very well. And um, we have, a, a besides Jake, my, my business partner, who's really a brewmaster, we also have a head brewer and a brewer, Dylan and Marley and um a great packaging team and got a great front of house team and they get it done so they bring they all bring a lot of uh great experience uh to the brewery for sure so yeah no that's awesome because i when i do tours and stuff at breweries people are always like how many people are on like a brew team i'm like well it kind of depends and you guys are being yeah. very efficient with it of you know if two tap rooms 16 people including your brew staff that's keeping it nice tight and working hard <laughs> that's that's really yeah. what I'm that do. Uh, it's which, a fun size too it's like you're yeah. not you know i like the size of the business right now and we talk about growth and and we're always looking for like new areas to move to move the beer into but we don't want to force the beer on people's throat either we want people to want our beer before we get to their city and um it's just never really been our thing um and it's it's a fun it's a fun business to run it's a great size and it's jake and i are there almost every day uh, just like john and and his partners are at his brewery. I know that as well. They're very dedicated to their team and they're, they're in there. When I see John, uh, who you'll talk to next, uh, he usually got overalls on and uh, boots and he's doing his thing. And so I'm out there doing something. And um, yeah, we're very much involved. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why we enjoy it so much. And with like being cautious of where you're shipping to, what is your guys' kind of footprint? Are you guys only in... Portland or, or in Maine, or do you guys go to the further Northeast or are you guys shipping it out? all? I know you're not going all the way West, but kind of nope. for all of our listeners, kind of where can they expect to find you guys? Or and for us to... as well. I, I love, I love yeah. this beer and I'm really looking forward to having that stout. That's, that's, you know, I, I like all kinds of beer too, but mostly stout. Uh, but, uh, and, but this one is, 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 I'm really enjoying this one a lot. It's got a, it's got that nice hop forward, but a clean finish. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to if, if, if where I can go, if I want to find the Austin street, uh, beers. Yeah. Great question. Um, so we have 
a full state distribution in Maine, of course. Uh, New Hampshire, for those that don't know, is the borders Maine. Uh, it's actually the only state that borders Maine. Um, we're surrounded by ocean in Canada. <laughs> nice big hug from uh, the Atlantic in Canada. Um, and then Massachusetts as well, which is just south of New Hampshire and uh, Rhode Island. Uh, very, a very small, but a great state just below Massachusetts. So that's where we distribute with traditional, you know, wholesale distribution. But you can go on our website, austinstreetbrewery.com, and you can buy our beer on our online store and have it shipped to your house. So okay. as long as your state is cool with it, which is about 42 out of 50 states. I don't know okay. what the eight. I can't, I didn't memorize the eight that aren't cool with it. I'm pretty sure one of them is uh, is North Carolina or Georgia. Um, George, it's Georgia. In dry states. And <laughs> I think some there's some dry counties in some of those states do. I totally get it. Uh, but yeah, go online. You can order patinas available right now. Um, I think six grains on there as well. And we, we rotate through different beers and that'll actually ship right to your doorstep. Um, and uh, yeah, so go out there and get it. That's that's. I, I have, really I have cool. a feeling New York might unfortunately be one of those eight as well. I don't know. Do you know, Jonathan? Because mm -hmm. I, I, a lot of times New York, it, it has to be like a, a middleman and and uh, like direct from other state breweries. I we sometimes have a hard time uh, getting the order for that. Yeah, it's a 50-50. Um, yeah. I think from a brewery, it's not allowed, but from a distributor, it is. So like you can get it from like Tavor right. or from like Drizzly from not that Drizzly does out of state, but you yeah. can get it from them. But like ordering it from or from City Brew Tours Beer Club, you can get that's those true. Yes, York. exactly. That's, that's um, one of the best things about City Brew Tours <laughs> Beer Club <laughs> is to get stuff you can't find near you. Yeah. Uh, and also sure. give you wonderful places to go visit because I I say this every single time. I'm very unoriginal, but uh, now I want to go visit Portland, Maine. Yeah, I did already, but yeah, now I have yet another up. reason. Um, yeah. And speaking of New York, we do just we do work with a distributor in New York where we send down a couple uh, mixed pallets. So uh, usually a, a couple pallets of half barrels of patina, and then a mixed pallet of six stills and a mixed pallet of cans. And we do that every every couple months. So we're actually oh, cool. we're definitely in the city. Um, we're Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens is is generally where where our stuff ends up. Um, but, but keep an eye out for it, uh, around the city and all the, you know, the popular craft beer spots, you'll find us down there. So that's been pretty cool. We started doing that kind of twice a year. Now we're doing like every other month and, uh, we've got a great partner, partner down there. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's awesome. It, and it's cool. The reception is great. We send the beer down, it, it disappears and, and, uh, people are obviously enjoying it, which is really cool. So. Yeah, it's that's one of the fun things is when there's breweries like you guys that you don't do major distribution, but then you'll pop into a bottle shop and you're like, oh, oh, hey, I haven't had this one before. <laughs> or like, yeah. that's I, I know those guys, but like, what are they doing here? And so that's always really fun. So it's cool that you guys have that partnership now um, to be able to get it to New York, because not only does that mean that you can get people from the city but with everyone visiting and a lot of people are starting to go outside of like the popular pubs and stuff and going to like the craft beer bars, the bottle shops and trying to go to more like local spots, I, I would mm -hmm. say, but like mm -hmm. off the beaten path. And so that inadvertently helps even you guys of now they're like, Oh, this is a really good beer. And then they're like, you, got to get it from portland maine and now they're going to come to you so it's kind of a fun little byproduct to 
I want to say that like I started that. I, that's not my idea. It's been happening for decades. But I, uh, I just did, I just did a quick cursory search, and I don't know how many of our listeners are in New York, but I immediately found that I can get a can of patina at a place uh, just off of the uh, Seven Train uh, on Queens Boulevard. Oh, so yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. And yeah, I, you definitely can order. You definitely can have beer shipped uh, in New York as well from us because yeah. I know that like because oh, when I we have a. Uh, uh, main blocked off because we're distributed here but when i go in to use to, to like check in on the the store i use a new york zip code to get in oh great <laughs> it oh, always looks me in and it's so like they... what do you want to buy so yeah yeah so <laughs> i don't new know who it is but someone's zip code in brooklyn so. <laughs> <laughs> new york's good i know maryland's not which is a weird one but you know yeah what, what are you gonna do what are you gonna do um so i know my beer's going down and I know everyone else listening is probably starting to get thirsty and wondering who this John guy is that we've been talking about. <laughs> so, Will, is, you know, you guys have been on this journey. You you guys are still, you have two tap rooms. You're still brewing awesome beer. Um, what's next for um, Austin Street? And, like, what do you guys want to plug? Like, what's what's in the future for you guys? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, a lot of uh, folks, uh, as as taste rooms are um, changing over time, like our, our customers are changing. For example, when Jake and I started this business, I was 31 years old. I'm 41 now. You know, a lot of our friends uh, got married and have children. And so uh, our customers are looking for a different experience in the tasting room. So for us, it's really staying true to the Austin street brand, the beers that we brew, the quality of the consistency, but make sure like that we're able to adapt and provide a really good experience for our guests. And that's, that's the most important part about the Austin street experience is the tasting room. The beer is also important as well, but that's part of the experience of visiting. So if you're ever in Maine, come by either of the tasting rooms and, and say hi, meet our team, um, check out what we have going on there. And yeah, if you're interested in getting more beer from us, um, hop on our website and, and you can order to have it uh, shipped to your house. And for the future, uh, we'll see. We don't have a food program yet. We talk about that a lot, um, but uh, we're just, we're focused on beer and, and we haven't really been pushed into the, into the food sector yet, but we know our customers really enjoy uh, having a consistent food option for us. But otherwise we have really great rotation of food trucks every day, which is pretty typical for tasting rooms, but there's Portland's one of the best culinary um cities in the country plenty of james beard love up here and uh and the food trucks are are definitely in line with with the restaurants so it's a cool spot to visit and maine's just great so i grew up here um and and so did jake and uh yeah i i love it here and uh it's snowing outside right now and then these beautiful summers so yeah come by and visit before we let you go i do have to ask one question what beer would you pair with a lobster roll Oh boy. I'm going very uh, main. I'm going very main. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, I love lobster. I eat a lot of lobster. So it's been 41 years of a lot of lobster. Uh and a lot of fried clams and basically everything that comes from the sea. Um let's see. I think if I had to pick uh if I had to pick an Austin Street beer, I would pick Rally, which is our hundred percent mosaic hopped session IPA, three point eight percent, um, two row. 100% mosaic, uh, West Coast mosaic, and um, just like super fruity and not too bitter, light haze. It's just great. It works really well with food. And um, if I was just 
grabbing something simple. I'm I'm a Modelo guy. Twelve ounce cans of Modelo. Uh, you can't go wrong. So all day. You know what? That's yeah. I'm with you with that. It's a, it's a good it's a good food beer. I'll be yeah, honest. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good food beer. Um, it's consistent. You know, it's great. You can count on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I usually, I wouldn't go Negro Modelo with like lobster, but like with spicy food, like a, a really mm. spicy taco and hot sauce. Negro Modelo is like my go-to. Uh, yep. It's, yep. it's just a Vienna lager. I, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm <laughs> thinking a red ale. Red lobster? That's, that's just red lobster? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. A red lobster, a red ale with a red I lobster. I don't think anything in the amber, in the amber family, I think might, might work well for it. Yeah. They're kind of. They're kind of green or brown before they're cooked and then they turn red. It's always like people have like yeah. pictures of lobsters. I'm like, that's just a bunch of dead lobsters because they're all red in all the pictures. It's a prettier color, but I'm like, that's a dead lobster. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, yeah. Now you're making me hungry. Uh, I don't get good lobster in New York, but you know, that that is what it is. Um, cool. I mean, anyone in the chat, if you still have questions, we'll... Thank you for the beer. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, yeah. If anyone has questions, well, you can keep hanging around. Uh, but I, yeah, I'll be know, here. Yeah, hit me up. John's John's been patient, so we're gonna bring John on because I'm also thirsty. And Glenn, are you are you still thirsty? I am still thirsty. I mean, I've got I've got a little bit of this patina left, but uh, I have another glass, so it's I, all perfect. So me too. <laughs> and How's and, that and coincidentally enough, if you want to segue in this way. My foundation, personal foundation story has lobster as part of it. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. So, nice. uh, so should, 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 should we let John talk first or, or could you want to do, well, we can tell that story. Let's get John in the conversation. Let's in the mix get first. John in. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Uh, John, welcome. See you guys Thank later. You. I'll Dude. be here to answer questions and just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you both. And Thanks. how you doing, John? Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, Will. Uh, thank you, Will, so much. See you guys. All right. Yeah. No, John, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out, uh, chilling in the, the first part while we were drinking that beer. But now we're going to crack open that epiphany. Uh, I'm yeah. always, always a good fan. You can't have Portland, Maine and not do a New England IPA. I mean, that, that makes just, sense. It feels like that would be sacrilegious of being like, you know, we're going to do Portland, Maine. We're going to do a sour um you know i unfortunately don't have an epiphany uh my older son is a senior at purdue and was home over the holidays and i uh, just went back uh, a few days ago and i realized he cleaned me out uh so i went to go grab a beer i was like oh great uh okay fortunately i still have our this uh yosef is our check pills uh, oh, nice. so i had that in their fridge i was like all right i'll grab this guy <laughs> So like, that's that's perfectly fine. All right. Oh, this is this is a lovely color. That's a beautiful. And of course, the other it. maybe some of the other people in the box have tried some of your other ones that we sent them: the snowsuit IPA or the Riverton mm -hmm. Flyer, both of which I'm very curious to try. But I'm for now. I'm very excited about the uh, the snowsuit IPA. Oh, that's delicious. That's delicious. Oh yeah, it really is. Nice, sweet. You get that good little bitterness, but. I don't know why I said that like I was surprised. But like, oh yeah, really? No, of course <laughs> no, it's good. Of course it's delicious. No, we're not gonna be like John. Yeah, um, so this beer's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you later. No, um, no. So yeah, John, welcome. Um, what do you want to tell us about this beer with the the epiphany? Was there an epiphany when it came to making this New England IPA? 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think the first thing about Epiphany was uh, we first started making this beer. First batch we made and released on New Year's Eve uh, 2014. So um, you're talking with Will. Um, he opened, uh, Austin Street opened, I think, in April. Um, we opened the last week of February. Uh, so we were two months ahead. And then Pete and Noah um, at Bissell, uh, we're literally like, we all share a wall originally. Um, and so, and, and we still share a wall with, with Austin street, uh, uh Pete and Noah moved on to, uh, uh, Thompson's point, just a different part of town. Um, but, uh, yeah, they opened so Bissell opened two months ahead of us. So we were all within, like I said, four months of each other. We all opened around the same time. Um, when we first opened, um, like tasting rooms weren't really a thing. Um, our original tasting room, uh, it was 150 square feet. Uh, our whole concept was, oh, we'll fill growlers or whatever. But, you know, back then everyone was doing everything through distro. Um, you know, it was it's pretty much, that was the only way that that beer was sold at that point. Um, and so, but also when we opened, you couldn't get any of the cool, sexy hops. Um, there was a hop shortage, you know, there really wasn't anything that you could do. Uh, my partner, Joel Mahaffey and I, um, we actually met at a homebrew club in Bangor. Um, so, uh, at that point when we met, he was living up in Bangor, uh, or no, actually just North of Bangor, which is the university of Maine. And, um, and I was living in town, uh, Waterville, uh, which is, um, where Colby College is. And, um, so we met at a homebrew club there and, uh, eventually decided to open foundation. So. Uh, kind of how Will was saying, the Portland scene homebrew club um, launched definitely uh, a few breweries out of that. The one we were in in Bangor, I think seven breweries came out of that. Uh, maybe Asia Orno Brewing, um, us, uh, the guys at uh, uh, Marsh Island. Um, I'm gonna forget people, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, it was I, it was one of those things where and it means. Uh, the kind of the joke in Maine is it's a small town with long roads. Um, so especially if you work in an industry, everyone knows everyone else. Um, you know, there's really never more than one degree of separation. And uh, so anyway, when we opened, we ended up down in Portland in no small part because we couldn't find um, space that sort of fit the criteria that we were looking for. Um, and we had planned to move. I had worked and lived in Portland before my wife and I were planning to move back to Portland anyway. Um, so it just kind of worked out. And, um, so we, uh, when we opened though, we're like, great. Okay. We got our space. We got all this stuff. And then we were like, ah, let's go, you know, try to get the hops and you just couldn't. So anything that was, um, you know, mosaic, cetera, uh, just impossible to get. And, um, so we sort of pivoted a little bit when we were talking about opening and we really wanted to focus more on yeast driven beers. So, um, Belgian style saisons, things like that. Um, the fact you could throw a rock from our place and hit Allagash, um, you know, it's like, like literally I walk out my front door and I'm like, Oh, there's, you know, the, the, the tanks for Allagash right, right there. Um, and, uh, so, you know, Maine was receptive to that. Um, Oxbow, I think it opened a few years ahead of us. Um, so our initial plan was when we first opened, we really focused on doing saisons. Um, we loved the variety and the, um, kind of, uh, uh, open to interpretation. As long as it was dry, 
you know, and crisp and, you know, well carbonated, you could really interpret a Saison a lot of different ways, uh, from clean to funky to, um, you know, fruited, spiced, all sorts of things. So, uh, in a, in a milieu where we're like, well, we can't get the hops We're you know, so we didn't, we're not going to dive right into doing IPAs and things like that. We really focused on that, uh, on the, um, on really the Saison side of thing. But then that summer, um, this would have been in, uh, 2014, summer of 2014. Um, there's, a um, we were finally able to start getting some like spot purchases of some of these hops. And so, uh, we finally got enough. I think if we had like four boxes of Citra and four boxes of Mosaic and, um, we were working with a guy named Paul Lard, um, who's, uh, works with Willamette Valley hops. He's a local guy, but he represents most of the East coast. And, um, and Paul had access to, uh, some Australian hops. And so we were playing around with some of these things and, um, long story short, uh, I'm like, we should, if we're going to do this, let's just do it. You know, like, let's just throw everything we have in a beer. Um, and so that sort of, we sort of jumped from doing a single IPA right to a double. Um, I also, part of this too, was when we first opened the term New England IPA, hazy IPA really didn't exist. Um, you know, it was, uh, everyone knew Hedy Topper. Um, I had first had that camping in Vermont in 2012. And okay, so it existed, but they weren't calling it that yet. Yeah. The term new England oh, IPA didn't in 2014, if you said new England IPA, people have been like, what, um, you know, there was, it was, you sort of had East coast IPA, but that actually had more of like a British connotation to it. Mm, okay. Um, so something more like harpoon, um, I think would have been kind of like one of the benchmarks for, for that. Um, and then you had sort of West coast IPAs, which main beer company, sort of jumped on, um, up here as far as their style. Um, those guys are also originally from Michigan where actually I grew up. And so we both grew up drinking bells. Um, so two hearted and that type of stuff came out when, when I was in college. And, um, so, and that's more of a, I would say that's definitely a little more West coasty. Um, it's probably a little more malty than what you get. And, and that's, I mean, West coast too. I mean, when you say West coast, are you in the northern part where it tends to be a little more malty? Are you down in San Diego where it tends to be a little bit drier? Um, you know, is, there's all sorts of different interpretations on that. Um, but we we sort of, the, the other beer that I, I absolutely adore um, and uh, kind of my, my poster child for what a West Coast IPA should be was Double Jack from Firestone Walker. And so we loved everything about how that balanced preferred double Jack to, to union Jack. Um, I feel the bigger body, uh, the higher ABV, it just sort of worked a little bit better. Um, and so really the concept was, well, we got these hops. We kind of like some of the stuff, like we really like how double Jack drinks, but we really love the nose and that sort of explosive flavor that you could get out of heavy topper at the time, or still can, but it's a very different hop profile than I think people are expecting. If they haven't had it before, it's definitely a little more old school. Um, and so we're like, all right, let's marry these things together. And, and that's really where Epiphany came out um, was, well, we got these things. We sort of had these concepts. We sort of had these ideas and we sort of mashed them together and it worked pretty well. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Um, and so 
what's been interesting is like we've been making this beer now for almost 10 years um it'll be nine years um and we just epiphany just had his ninth birthday actually on new year's eve uh and so we were looking at um you know trying to to kind of mash all these concepts and all these different things together and that's where the beer came from the name sort of came out of that um you know it's originally like people would come into the brewery all the time and they're like we want your vermont ipa and we're like cool you know this is maine like um you know i mean it's it's uh because that's sort of what epiphany kind of became known as and so it was i think you know it's kind of a precursor or forerunner of what has continued to evolve into new england ipa hazy ipa um you know kind of moving down those paths but of course I this think, is even more special because it's a double ipa yeah i mean honestly the higher abv helps with hop ex- with the extraction um so i think you get better expression of the oils and um from the hops so that was actually one of the things we talked about was you know what should the abv of this be and um so we thought going and you know heady topper at that point both heady topper and double jack were eight percent and so we're like okay you know that seemed to be a pretty good sweet spot um but i think the thing we always have focused on and one of our big things at the foundation is can you have a second pint is it not not from a abv standpoint but is it too filling is it too sweet is it is there enough balance to it um you know and i think that's one of the things that we always think about when we make a beer is okay what's the second pint like you know what's that what's that second pour going to be like is that something that someone's going to you know really house and enjoy and to me the mark of a great beer is a beer that's just gone without you thinking about it you know yeah. you're, you're you're talking to your friends you're you're chatting you're doing all that stuff and then you're like oh it's empty i guess i got to go get another where you know you see people and it just lingers and you're like okay and that's that's usually when you know like the balance isn't right um you know something's something's a little off um so that's where we always whenever we make a beer that's one thing we always try to think about is is not just you know the flavor profile and the mouthfeel i mean we have a whole process where we write up like what is the vision for the beer you know these are the things we're looking for this is what we're trying to accomplish but one of the things that we always look at is can you enjoy a second pint without thinking about it you know and if you can check that box then i think you got something if if it's something that's just too thick too heavy um you know to like the the old you know i have more ibus than you do um you know 800 ibus and uh it's like smoking a cigar before you like go have a nice dinner um you know it's like well can't really taste much right now uh i don't really smoke cigars like the last time i think i did was at my buddy's bachelor party 20 years ago uh but that was, that's exactly what happened was we went out to dinner and i'm like i can't taste any of this um so i've i found like some of those really hyper hopped really super aggressive beers just kind of blow out your palate and well that's um, one of the things that i really like about double ipas is that because it does it, it has the higher ibu but there's something about that process that gets it to double that makes the ibus go down easier uh, yeah you're saying you don't want it to be too sweet although the, i think this this has just the right amount of sweetness uh so yeah i'm sorry I, go ahead. no no i to, to your point it's balance can you yeah. find the balance point right right and um i think the like i said when you talk to brewers or people um you know you mentioned modello earlier 
you know, I mean, that's, I think, a classic example of a beer that's just, it's a really well-made beer because it just goes down so easily. Yeah. You don't really think about it. And so you're, you're crushing some tacos, you grab a Modelo, you know, it just works. And so I think sometimes we overthink what we're doing. Um, and really, it's, it really is just about, are you enjoying it? You know, is this, is this part, and does the beer fit into the experience around you? Um, you know, is it, is it complementary to that or is it something that's sort of creating some dissonance? Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's one thing, like I said, we always think about that from a, and, and to me, the answer to that is, are you going to enjoy a second pint as much as the first one? I think that that's is right. a perfect like ideology for any beer of, you know, when you're brewing it, of like, are you going to drink a second pint? Cause a lot of times when I look like a, at a double or like a triple IPA, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm only going to have one. Uh, I had a night many years ago where I had like multiple triple IPAs back to back and my palate was wrecked. By the mm -hmm. third one, I was like, I don't, what am I drinking at this point? Uh, give me a, literally give me a PBR and it's going to taste the same at this point. Because um, <laughs> it's like that's like that cigar, you know, your palate is just full of bitterness and you can't taste it. But I think this one, especially it's sweet. It's bitter. It's balanced. Uh, I'm already halfway through it, which as you're saying, talking, drinking, it's like, yeah, this is good. Oh, let me just take another sip. Let me take another sip. Let me take another sip. And we're just, it's going to be gone very soon. Um, but yeah, and I would say that the bar for whether you want to have two of these is even stronger in a world where if you're at a place that there's like five different things you want to try, the bar is so much higher for will I have this twice because you want to try everything. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, it, variety is the spice of life. Definitely. Um, like when I when I go to a new brewery, I will often or a brewery that's new to me. I will often. That's what I love about flights is like, I know I'm going to want a full pour of, of at least one of these, but I have to have I have to try my top five, four or five for a flight. Right to narrow it down. Yeah, we actually, um, a lot of breweries got away from doing flights during the pandemic or after. Um, we went back to it pretty soon, you know, as soon as it sort of made sense for us to do so. And um, that's still hands down. Um, so a, uh, well, we serve Epiphany in, in 13 ounce tulips. Um, so we we do yeah. pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but that being said, um, you know, right after the 13 ounce epiphany, uh, our number two seller is flights. And that's always been, you know, you get a chance to try different things to kind of, and that's one thing, you know, as Will was saying, I think a lot of us who sort of opened up around the same time, so roughly 10 years ago, um, you know, and I was, I was thinking like, uh, Zach Kinney at, um, uh, KCBC, uh, you know, he and I were in brewing school together, um, and, you know, and, and things like that. And so like, there's a whole bunch of us that sort of like, kind of all sort of came around at the same time. And I think we, at that point, we're also all coming out. Most of us were coming out of this out of sort of homebrew clubs and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so exploring classic styles, you know, trying all sorts of different new things, sort of really trying to, I think, understand the breadth of beer. Um, living here in Portland, you know, Navarre is just, you know, was a, was a great opportunity to go in and try different things that you will often only see in Europe um, and, you know, things like that. And so, but it, I think that experience uh, you'll find a lot of people 
sort of of our that open around that same time tend to have really diverse tap lists. Um, tend to really like we make a brown ale. We've made a brown ale Burnside for uh, that's the one had, I've had. That's the one go. I had in twenty sixteen on my birthday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and, and, and I don't mean that as a segue into my story because I actually there's one part of your story I really want us to get to uh, because I was looking on your website today and I see that a big part of what you guys do is pizza. So food pairing, I think, is a really important thing. That we talked about, you know, all, all these brews have food trucks, but you you don't have a food truck. You you do pizza there. And how did that evolve? Yeah, I mean, so um, so like I said, I grew up originally in Michigan. Uh, I went to uh, college, uh, went to University of Michigan, and then um, in my uh, prior life, I'm actually a physician. Uh, so I ended up working. Uh, I ended up in Maine because I did my residency at Maine Medical Center uh, in family medicine. Um, and when I met Joel, I was practicing at a hospital in Waterville, um, Inland Hospital, uh, which is now part of uh, Northern Light. Um, but anyway, did that uh, and was doing that at the time. And really, though, like I said, I got into beer in college and this would have I graduated in 96. Um, and a couple of my college roommates worked at um, this great sort of divey bar but has like 250 beers uh in detroit called yield tap room um so whenever i go back to detroit i always try to get over there um but uh you know really had a chance to kind of learn from them um and so coming forward when we opened up um you know as, as will was saying there's this definitely evolution with tasting rooms and we're still in the same location we only have the you know we're we're just one location but fortunately, we have the space where we were talking about, and this sort of came out of the pandemic, we had a great relationship with a bunch of food trucks beforehand. And a lot of them then moved on to brick and mortars, which was awesome because then they became customers and, you know, we're friends with all these people. Um, but we found that during the pandemic, it just, you know, it was really challenging um, to try to make something consistent and have something that was there that you could rely on. And, um, you know, I think when you're running your business, there comes a point in time where you have to like, we either need to own this or, or, you know, we need to figure out some solution to this problem. Um, and so plus in Maine, we're so seasonal that, you know, this time of year, uh, I think Will gets Austin, uh, gets food trucks pretty regularly, but usually January, February, it's cold out there. Uh, and so most of those guys take the winter off. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what Maine is. It's like it's a combination of the summer people and the townies, right? Yeah, I mean we're we'll um, yeah yes, and and so for us in the winter time, you know, our population drops significantly. Um, we'll get 16 million visitors to Maine in the summer, but the state has a population of 1.3 million, and so you know when you when you look at it, and that's dispersed through the whole state. Um, so, you know, Portland's Southern two counties. So Portland is in, uh, and so Cumberland and York County where Portland's in Cumberland is 70% of the population. Um, so most of the population is in the, the South part of the state, but, um, it's still geographically pretty spread out. And so, um, in the winter time, you know, you just don't have that population density. And, um, so like I said, I get it between the weather and just the fact that there's just not as many people around the you know the food trucks will will tend to hey we're out of here or they'll go to the mountains and they'll work on the you know the the ski resorts so um so we came out of that we decided 
you know, this is something that, that we really, we, we kept talking about, should we do this? Should we not? Um, and so we decided, yeah, let's move forward. We're going to do a kitchen. Then of course, the next question was, what are you going to do? Um, well, well, my business partners are vegetarian. And so whenever we get together and sort of have like, it's just, I mean, the, the ownership is my wife and I, and our business partners, Joel and Christy, and that's it. Um, so usually business meetings involve a large pizza sitting around a kitchen table and a couple of beers. And so best combination, like, really pizza and beer. It's classic. If anyone ever figures that out. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, don't mess with it. I mean, I'm thing. sure there is some science to it as a doctor. I'm sure you would know some of the science you that you, 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 I'm sure it's not, it's not entirely a mystery, but yes, but, but that is we, a lot of us, when we first started beer, we would have it with pizza. It was just the it's classic. Yeah. It's 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 a classic pairing. It's sort of like you know the 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 treat for the everyman, you know. And and who doesn't? I, I saw you know a great shirt. It's like you know you can't make everyone happy. You're not pizza. Um, and I, it's just one of those things where so we're like, all right, so let's do pizza because again, the other thing we wanted was whatever cuisine we wanted, we wanted it to be, um, you know, have a have a significant vegetarian focus, but not feel forced. Um, and so you know, pizza was just, you know, pasta would kind of fit that, but that's not really a brewery thing. And to your point, yeah. beer and pizza. Uh, yeah. You know, so, so we're like, all right, we're gonna do pizza. Uh, but my wife and I grew up in Detroit. And so when we were looking at doing, you know, okay, what type of pizza are you going to do? Well, there's a ton of, you know, wood fired slash Neapolitan. Uh, there's some New York style up here. A lot of what they call Greek style, which is kind of like sort of this indigenous New England old school uh, pizza shop type thing. Um, and I think the only people who are more passionate about um, and and sort of have their their tribes and uh, sort of wave the flag for their favorites uh, than than uh, than the beer crew is our pizza people. Um, you know, I mean, you guys, but you're from New York, so of course, you know, there's the New York New Haven argument um you know that type of thing so we i decided... actually just learned about new haven pizza about a week ago but that's a whole other story but go on yeah. oh I, <laughs> it's it's i i thoroughly enjoy both uh they are slightly different and i'm probably going to get a lot of flack from people for for both but as someone yeah. who did not grow up eating either when i they're they're both great but they're um... i would say that new haven is a much smaller piece of the pie no pun intended <laughs> yeah i it's and and they cook there's there there's more char, yeah. Um, so they tend to kind of cook there's more well done, uh, is sort of and I think they also tend to use less cheese, um, probably because of that. Um, but like I said, we decided to sidestep all that and we're just gonna do the pizza that my wife and I grew up eating, which is um, we call it square pizza because I'm sure when you guys go out for a pizza in New York, you don't go out for New York style pizza, you just go out for pizza. And so growing up as a kid in Detroit, you go out and it's like, oh, let's go get pizza. It's like, all right, what do you want? Round or square? Um, because they're, okay. they're different. So, um, you know, buddies is sort of like probably what most people know of for, for square pizza. Uh, yeah, I think a, in New York, the square is kind of like referred to as Sicilian style. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Sicilian's a little different, uh, but you're barking up this kind of the same. I mean, I, I actually of... grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and there's a weird fucked up version of it there where it's just all like <laughs> little squares. Yeah, they cut the whole pizza into squares, and that and that's the great thing. Size size pieces, you know, everyone everyone's got their own take on it. Yeah, and you know what? 
at the end of the day, you're going to like it. You're going to enjoy yeah. it. You know, yeah. it's like, you're so, it's like a good beer, right? A good slice of pizza yeah. just disappears. And so, um, so yeah, so we decided to do Detroit style cause that's what we grew up eating. It's, um, you know, and what was funny is I kept reading stuff during the pandemic. So I've, I've been a sourdough baker forever. Um, you know, not forever. I, my culture, I think is about 15 years old. And, uh, so it was always a hobby kind of like homebrewing. It was just kind of parallels. It's fermentation. You're just ratios are different. And, um, but we, during the pandemic, everyone's, you know, stress baking and couldn't get yeast, but I'm like, well, I have sourdough. So I just started giving it away to friends. Um, but I started making pizza cause I had two teenage boys and, you know, I actually broke them of pizza. They actually started asking for salads, um, <laughs> because I was making so much pizza. Uh, but I sort of, I read about Detroit style and I was like, what the heck is Detroit style? And then I saw the picture. I'm like, oh, it's square pizza. Uh, and, and then, you know, started getting into, and, you know, but like I said, having been a, a hobbyist as a, as a sourdough baker for a long time, there's definitely, um, sort of a, a its own language to baking, just like there is to brewing. And, um, so I sort of took what, um, there's a great write up in serious eats about Detroit style pizza. Uh, and that was sort of the launching point and sort of morphed it with what I remember as a kid, as well as some of the stuff that I thought would be kind of cool and fun, a little bit different. Um, so ours is, is Detroit style. Uh, it's also though, we really focus a lot on the texture of the pizza. Um, so we really try it. So it's a, it's for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a pizza that's baked in a pan. Uh, the original so pan, square pan, it's, it's 10 by 14 where the original pans. Okay. So like a casserole dish kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And they're steel the shape anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and they're the shape and the size is because they were parts pans that were stolen from a GM plant up the street from buddy's pizza, which is where this originated. Um, and that, that place is still six mile in Conant. It's, you know, it's, it's still in Detroit. It's been there. You know, buddy's is kind of very iconic. Um, and so that shape and that size, and apparently they started it though. There was a woman who worked there. So this was like 1946. So just post-World War II, all these GIs come back from Europe and everyone is like doing fish and chips. Cause that's what all these GIs in, in that were stationed in the UK, but a woman who worked there was Sicilian and had married an American GI came back. And she's like, well, I can teach you how to make pizza. So when you mentioned Sicilian style, it's definitely like that is sort of the origin of Detroit style. So that but, is that is the connecting the connective tissue. Yeah, I, but it, but it's made out of you know what you could get in the Midwest in the in the mid 1940s. Um, so it's it's very much um, you know for for in Detroit it's bar pizza. You know it's it's like it's not like I said it's not fancy stuff it's not it's just what you eat when you go out you know you played a baseball game you know it's after softball or whatever um and that's really what we wanted to focus on for the brewery uh because that's really kind of our vibe is we're very laid back we tend to be very you know neighborhood focused very very family friendly and we just wanted a food that just worked for everyone uh and so we're like we're doing pizza and we're doing detroit style because like i said it's kind of what we grew up with uh and uh and plus no one else out here was really doing it so we don't run into the um as much of the 
uh, well, this isn't as good as, you know, so-and-so is in Brooklyn or whatever. It's like, that's fine. You know, it's different and you got to go into it with that mindset. That's yeah. No, I, I grew up also in, in the Midwest, but not in Michigan and Indiana. So we didn't yeah, so have, we, we're, yeah, we we're like the trifecta of Ohio, yeah, Indiana, yeah, yeah. And Michigan. So, so yeah, while we're we talking had... about new England, so it's, yeah. it's entirely, a, this <laughs> yeah. is the melting pot of American good well, part of culture. Goodness. There's a lot of there's a lot of people from the upper Midwest here in Maine. Yeah. And I think I think in no small part is because winter doesn't scare you. Right. Um, okay, that makes sense. You know, and so you're like, yeah. all right, you know, and and there's more snow here, but it's not as cold. Right. Um, so that's kind of the trade-off. Yeah. And I I feel like that's the same with like New York and the Northeast in general, is you get a lot of people from the north or Midwest or Midwest in general, because they're like, Yeah, it's cold, but it's not it's manageable it's manageable yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's like the great thing is you get and you get all these different types you get the detroit pizza and i'm looking at your menu and we were talking about lobster earlier and i was getting hungry now i'm reading about detroit pizza now i'm getting hungry um i mean i don't i don't really care if uh southwest ohio pizza ever makes it anywhere else because it probably uh, won't whenever i'm there it's like i kind of enjoy it for the nostalgia factor but i also like yeah this isn't great uh but i'm sure hopefully detroit pizza or at least your take on it is better than that yeah yeah Yeah, it's 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 gone over it's gone over very well and uh you know and like i said I, i think at the end of the day um you know pizza makes people happy uh beer makes people happy let's you know let's put these things together exactly and so i have to ask this what is your perfect beer and pizza pairing because you guys serve this at your tap room obviously you love pizza you were making Mm -hmm. it too much during the pandemic so it doesn't have to be a foundation brewery beer but in general what is your favorite beer to pizza pairing and then i have a follow-up question after that Sure. Uh, so I usually go for a really light, crisp, clean lager. There's so much going on with the pizza already. I also want something that's got some a little bit of bitterness in the background to kind of, you know, because again, I when you take that sip of the beer, it's sort of a reset. Yeah. And and so you go back in for the next slice and then you kind of get all the those flavors and things going on again. Um, so that's what I tend to gravitate towards for pizza. Um, you know, spicy food, things like that. I tend to grab IPAs. Um, I think the, the, that sort of citrusy fruity notes tend to work well with, with heat so like tacos and things like that. Uh, and you mentioned Burnside earlier, um, that beer actually came. So that's our brown ale. Uh, it's actually our, the, the I think oldest I actually beer had we it still with make. lobster that night, but I'm not positive, but I, uh, I probably had it with lobster. So there's, um, I, I Garrett Oliver wrote a book, uh, the brewmaster's table, and I think in it, he commented, like, if you're going to take one beer to a dinner party and you don't know what they're serving, take a brown ale. Um, okay. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it's super food friendly. Um, it just kind of works its way with anything. And that particular beer came about from a beer dinner we did with a restaurant downtown called Central Provisions, um, which is a, a kind of a tapas, uh, small plates joint. Great food. And um, they opened almost the same time we did. So we kind of met each other as we were just all opening. 
And I remember talking to Chris, uh, so Chris and Paige Gould are the owners, and we're like, well, we're going to do a beer for the beer dinner. We can make something specific. What do you want? The first thing out of his mouth was, dear God, not another IPA. Uh, and then, and then I he's appreciate like, that sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he's like, I want a brown ale. He's like, as a chef, I'm looking for something that's going to pair really well with things that are grilled or roasted or smoked, mm-hmm. you know, things that it's got a little bit of sweetness, but it's not, you know, it's balanced to it. He's like, it just, it just works. Um, so we made Burnside. We made half barrel of it. We never expected to make it again. And then uh, a couple other restaurateurs tried it at Central Provisions. Cause of course, new restaurant opens, everyone goes, checks them out. And I started getting calls uh, from some other folks, mainly Matt Moran at the point oh Nosh. And Matt was like, when, you, when can I get Burnside? When can I get Burnside? So we, we made a batch um, and then we sold through the whole thing in a week. And then we're like, I guess we're making Burnside. Um, so we've been making it ever since. And and we specifically because it is so food friendly. Um, so, you know, burgers, steaks, um, things just, it, it, it's just, it's a bit of a cheat code when it comes to pairings. Nice. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm fairly and- certain the night I had, and I know we don't really have time to get the, into this whole story, but a, a bar uh, in my neighborhood or in New York City uh would do an event called the main event where they would have a lot of main breweries and uh there was a lobster involved if you bought enough of the main beers and uh, i'm pretty sure that's how i celebrated my 48th birthday there you go nice and i love the story that you made the beer for a special event and then everyone was like we need this and so you're just like, yeah, we're going to just keep making it. And I feel like that's the very, like, especially because like you guys and and Will, you guys all started at that 2014, which really for the Northeast was like the jumpstart of really when craft brewing. And if you look at all the breweries in most of the Northeast and in New York, the older ones are 2014, 2013, like right in that era. And so that's where in the early years, you're making it up. You're like trying to figure out what people want, what people like. Um, and then if people like it, you make more of it. And that's how that's that's what I love about especially um, breweries like you guys and Austin Street that come from that era. And same with other ones um, around that time of we just you're you guys love beer. And you just continue making beer that people love and it's good beer. Um, so I think that's awesome. I think that's great. And I know we are going long and I don't I want to be mindful of everyone listening and everyone yes. watching. But oh, excuse me. Um that's all right. I did have one last question about the pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, John. Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? We've done it. Uh, it's that not wasn't my, an answer. It's, it's not my personal preference. Okay. Okay. All sure. right. It's not I my wanna, personal I, preference. I want to follow it up with since it's been a theme for the what about lobster on pizza? We've yeah. done that too. All right. Uh, I, we've I done, figured we've you, done lobster you had to. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. How was I the mean, lobster on pizza? Was that good? It's good. I our pizza is. Um, I mean, it's cheese. It's uh, you know. So you got the that salty umami. Uh, you're blending that. Like if you've ever had a lobster grilled cheese. You know, why it not? Works. Why would you not want to do that? Especially when you have access to like so much lobster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's all dead nuts fresh. And, uh, yeah. in fact, when I get by lobster, my literally my neighbor down the street just, 
he, he fishes and so we'll just call him up and he's like sure you know what do you want and da 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 and then he'll leave him in yeah. a cooler and you just drop the money and go so i do want to be mindful of everyone's time but john anything that you want to plug for uh foundation brewery and moving forward of what what we can expect and where we can find you guys as well yeah, so we're we're primarily uh, so Maine obviously is our biggest uh, footprint. We're three statewide here, uh, through New Hampshire and through Massachusetts. That's who we distribute with um, regularly. We do work with Serene down in Connecticut and New York uh, and New Jersey, uh, and we typically ship beer down there. Kind of like Will was saying, sort of mixed pallets. Um, that's usually about every two three months type of thing. Uh, and um, we a couple times a year also send beer down to like um, DC you know, that area, uh, as well. But, um, for the most part, you're going to find us up here in, uh, really sort of new England, particularly, you know, Boston, uh, Boston North. Um, and, uh, and we're in, you know, like I said, Rhode Island, uh, as well. Uh, we're not in Vermont. Uh, we, we were for a little bit, but, um, you know, we just kind of like, we really got to focus on what we're doing. Um, wow. and so we sort of, sort of pulled They're back. So close. I'm surprised. Vermont's, I mean, it's weird. You think you look at a map, it's so close, yeah. but the classic, you can't get there from here. Um, okay. it, it is so much easier to go north south than it is to go east west in northern New England. That's wild. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been, uh, I love Vermont. We've, I've spent uh, more than a, a little bit over there camping. Um, and, uh, well, but at least, you know, since you can't really distribute there, anytime you go to visit your friends there, you can always take your beer and you know they won't be able to get it when they're there. So. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, my, my brother lives in Michigan. Um, he and his family will hit Vermont. We'll come over and that's where we meet up. So it's a good time. Cool. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, any last minute questions from the chat, Glenn, I think we have touched everything. I think we have drank, not that I think we have drank two fantastic beers. We have, we've, we definitely have. We've touched everything from lobster to pizza to, Detroit to Vermont to literally everything, uh, learning all about all these different breweries, different beers. John, thank you so much for these fantastic beers. I'm going to crack open the other ones here very, very soon. Um, maybe not tonight, but soon. Um, super excited for all these. And I think we're going to call it a night or we're going to call it a cheers. For anyone Thanks that's for listening, listening. everyone. I, yeah. I, I will say, if you want to listen to, uh, I, I'm always happy to be on this one. Uh, I'm also on the the Beer Avengers podcast. You can find it at the Beer Avengers at the Beer Avengers. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll actually tell the longer version of that story on a future episode of that show. And uh, Jonathan might actually be on on it with us. Uh, Never although, know. Uh, and if you want to find that Austin Street uh, beer that I was talking about, and you're in New York, go to. Um, uh, go to uh, uh, Sweet Avenue. That's the bar I was talking oh. about. Yes, I'm friends with the owner. Yes, he's been a guest on our show. But yes, they carry some wonderful main beers. Uh, Sweet Avenue right off of the uh, 7 train. And if you're listening and you haven't gotten your box yet, go to shop.citybrewtours.com. Get this box. Because as you heard, can't always get the beer locally. So get it. And we're going to come back with another great city next month. Uh, we are switching for all of the our viewers and listeners. We are switching to the third Tuesday of every month moving forward to ensure because shipping has been crazy lately. 
make sure everyone gets their beer in time for when we do the live stream. So we will be adjusting that moving forward, but we'll see you next month. We'll see yes. you next time. John, thank you so much. And we'll see everyone soon. All right. Thanks, thank everybody. you. Thank you guys. Thanks guys.